Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Week five recap. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're on YouTube watching this, make sure to hit that like, like button and smash that subscribe button. We are talking Big Ten football. Leave a review. Send me emails. Follow us on X and on Instagram. Really fun week for college football. Really fun week. Not just in the big 10, but nationally, uh, I'm going to just go right through my power rankings. Cause I think that's just the best way for me to kind of go through each team and, and recap what's been going on. So we're going to start at the bottom, Indiana, number 14 in my power rankings this week, again, really, really struggled uh, on both sides of the ball. And I thought they would be able to limit Maryland a bit, they did not. Maryland started fast and they finished fast. It's 44 to 17 in that game. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa was just really impressive in that game. You know, they they went up and down the field on Indiana and Indiana didn't do much to, to counterattack. I, I know Indiana's offense is not the greatest, but I was really surprised at how limited their defense was. I think it sets up a real fun showdown. We'll talk about Maryland in a minute, but fun showdown between Ohio state and Maryland next week. But Indiana man has a lot of questions. I thought that defense was legit. I thought that defense would be able to keep them in some games. I think, I think they're in deep, deep trouble, which is kind of what I thought going into the season. Uh, I wasn't expecting much from the Hoosiers and I'm back to kind of thinking this is, this is maybe Tom, Tom Allen's last season uh, as the Hoosier head coach, Nebraska at 13. Listen, no shame in getting pummeled by Michigan. Michigan will do that to a lot of teams. I think you have to remember that their, their first few games, you know, a lot of people are looking at them and saying, Oh, Michigan doesn't really have it. Michigan doesn't really have it guys they can kind of play possum for a bit. You know, they didn't have a great schedule to begin with. And so Nebraska getting pummeled by, I think, a a sleeping giant, nothing to be ashamed of there. I think probably what's more concerning is I think, I think Nebraska thought they had something with Harburg and I, I still think they do, but there is a real difference between playing the teams that they were playing, Louisiana Tech and, uh, you know, even Colorado and Minnesota versus playing Michigan. And Michigan is an elite, well, as as much of an elite team as you can have uh, in in the country at this point. You know, they're good everywhere. They're, they're good at, you know, good at receiver, great at running back, great at offensive line, great on defense, great at quarterback, right? So I don't think Nebraska fans should be too discouraged by what just happened, but I think you have to realize like, this is just, this is where the team is. 
they still have a chance to get some get some wins against West teams who I think are underperforming right now. They go to Illinois next week, which we'll talk about in a minute. Number 12, I've got Minnesota. This was a game against Louisiana where I thought they were rife for the for the upset. You know, Louisiana has a good offense. They were three and one coming into this game. And PJ Fleck has kind of messed around in games like this and lost, you know, going back to 2021 where they lost to Bowling Green. You know, they they have lost games against lesser teams. And to the Gophers' credit, to Athen Kaliak Manis's credit, they, you know, they took Louisiana's best punch. Louisiana was up 17-14 in the first half. And PJ Fleck said no more. And they scored 21. I think it was 21 unanswered in the second half. You know, Louisiana got a junk score late in that game, but Minnesota can't, you know, they won a game they're supposed to, and they would be a little higher in this, if not for the fact that they lost to Northwestern, who's my number 11 team for now, for now, I've got Northwestern ahead of Minnesota, despite the, the record difference. You have know, Minnesota wins another game and Northwestern loses another game. That's going to change. But I've got Northwestern 11. I thought they acquitted themselves quite nicely in, in the first half against, I think, a top four team in the country. We'll talk about that as I get to my top 10. You know, they did a good job of staying in this game up until the mid- middle of the second second half. And we'll talk about Penn State's performance. But I thought, I thought Northwestern, I, I feel like they're starting – to kind of figure out what they can and can't do. And sometimes when you're a lesser team, that's part of learning how to win games is figuring out what can you actually be. And so I think David Braun, even though it's, you know, they're two and three, you know, obviously they, they'd love to not be two and three, but I would not be shocked if they pulled a couple more upsets. Obviously, they have Howard coming up. But again, if you look at the West, there's a couple more games that I think they can they can take. So Northwestern at 11 for now. I think one of those games they might be able to take, and I hate to say this is Illinois. Uh, I'm going to save a lot of comments for the picks pod because I, I just feel like it's a good opportunity to get more fan engagement there. But I will... I will acknowledge Illini Bubba. Uh, appreciate your your comment on X. Uh, appreciate the the plug. And you know, before the Purdue game, you you said that you know there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of belief in this team. Uh, now, not so much. I just I want to I just want to you know placate the Illini fans for a minute. And this is this is kind of what I felt even when I saw them play against Toledo a few weeks ago. I think it's very tempting to look at Illinois and see what just happened against Purdue. And remember Purdue, they were playing inspired for a couple of reasons. Uh, it was, it was the entrance of the, or the uh, commemoration of, of Tiller tunnel. Of course, Joe Tiller, great, the late, great Joe Tiller who passed away sadly a few years ago, one of the best coaches in Purdue history. Awesome dude awesome dude. And, and that was a big reason why Purdue was up, you know, so a lot of emotion, a lot, all sorts of stuff like that. You have to remember though, Illinois is dealing with increased expectations that are probably a little unfair. 
you know, Brett Bielema did, I think, in his first two years, what Jim Harbaugh did in his first two years at Michigan, which was outpunch the actual talent that he had, right? So when Jim Harbaugh came into Michigan, he had two consecutive 10-win seasons, and he was like this, this close, you know, a hair away or, you know, inches away from a playoff bid uh, in his second year. And then they kind of became a mediocre team for a few years. And by, you know, for them, mediocre was eight, nine wins and getting blown out by Ohio state. And a lot of Michigan fans were like, we're, we don't want Jim Harbaugh anymore. He's, you know, he's not good. Yada, yada, yada. And I, I kept saying, listen, Harbaugh is the right man for the job. He's just like, he outpunched his weight the first couple of years. And now the, the expectations are a little unfair. I think that's the case with Brett Bielema, right? I think they got to five and seven the first year, which with that roster, they had no business being five and seven. You know, they had wins over Penn State and Nebraska, no business. Similarly, last year, you know, they go eight and four, you know, in the West till the very end. They they had no business with, with the talent dearth. Now, part of that was he developed talent, right? But remember where they were left where Lovey Smith left them. I mean, they were a perennial bottom feeder in the West. And so I'm not surprised that they're struggling this much. And if you're sitting there, you're thinking, ah, oh, Bielema. Bielema's not good. Bielema, you know, Bielema should be doing better. This is, you have to remember, like he's outpunched his weight the past couple of years. And so yet you, you have to adjust, adjust and recalibrate your expectations. I, I think this is going to be a rough year for Illinois. I still think they are on, on an upward trajectory in the long term because I think Bielema knows the Big Ten. I think he knows the Midwest. He knows how to recruit. He knows how to get those big boys on the offensive line. Just you're, you're dealing with a lot of turnover, and that's really hard. And sometimes if you don't get the right quarterback, which Altmaier, he's had good moments, he's had hard moments, that can just be really hard. And so he's had a couple of quarterbacks who were good, veteran, steady guys. And I think Altmaier, you know, at times he shows flashes of brilliance and there's a lot of youth and there's a lot of struggle there too and a lot of turnovers. So I I feel for Illinois fans, but just I think brighter days are ahead. Just remember that Bielema, part of the reason why those expectations are there, Bielema outpunched his weight the first couple of years. Um Number nine, I have Michigan State. I was surprised. You know, Michigan State had Iowa. You know, it was 16 to 16. They got the ball back. They punted away, and Cooper DeGene, you know, gets a, a punt return score, and it's over. And you can't do that. Like, if you want to beat Iowa on the road, you've got you to gotta limit those explosives on special teams, and they did not. Um, you know, obviously credit to Iowa. But I will say, and this is the second game in a row where I've thought this, a lot of people thought Michigan State was kind of giving up on the season. I'm not seeing that. I think Noah Kim is inexperienced, and I think he's a little turnover prone. Yes, but they've got talent. They've got guys who can play. And I think if you are a team that doesn't have a good passing attack, you could be right for a, a hard day against Michigan state. Cause Michigan state's past defense is not great, but I mean, they were battling with Iowa and, 
probably should have beat Iowa. Um, we'll talk about that when we get to the Hawkeyes. Uh, number eight, I have Purdue. Um, you know, Purdue two and three, but you know they have two wins over Power Five teams: Virginia Tech and and Illinois. And you know, it's it's hard because Purdue had a really hard non-conference schedule, really hard non-conference schedule, and then they get Wisconsin to to open Big Ten play, and so they're at two and three, and you think, oh, they're not very good. And they, they might still not be great, right? But again, I've been saying, if you've got Hudson Card, there are days where he can win you games. And I think I think per, the whole Purdue squad played inspired football. But I like the fact that they've got a quarterback that can make some things happen. And that, that, that bodes well for them as the West continues to unfold and the schedule continues to unfold. Number seven, I have Iowa. Can we talk for a minute? And I, I don't like advocating for people to get fired, but when your own stadium is chanting fire, Brian, it might be a signal that maybe you should do that. Now, before people are saying, well, he has to average 25 points. He got 26. No, 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 no. He did not get 26. <laughs> Special teams and defense had a lot to do with that. This is, it's, it's absurd. And before you say, well, the receivers dropped a bunch of balls. Who's coaching the receivers? Who's making sure that the receivers are able to do these things? Ultimately it's Brian Ferentz and ultimately it's Kirk Ferentz. This is absurd. This offense, it, it's not good. Prayers up for Cade McNamara. I, I would be really shocked if he comes back this season, I haven't seen any word on whether he's uh, it's season ending his injury or not, but I thought Deacon Hill looked decent, you know, at least decent as you can for a backup. But I think that's going to make things even harder for the Hawkeye offense. And I think it's going to, I think they have a hard road. I think I expected like a nine, 10 win season out of Iowa. I think, getting to seven or eight wins might be really hard for this Hawkeye squad. Now, granted they have four, they're four and one right now, but they're going to have to really depend on special teams and defense, which they've always done, but I'm just not sure that they're going to be up to it. Um, you know, Michigan state, I, like I said, Michigan state's okay, but they have, I think they, there are other teams, you know, especially if they can, if they can have quarterbacks that can really air it out that I think will make Iowa pay, particularly if they don't turn the ball over. Noah Kim turned the ball over several times last night, or if you're listening on Monday, uh, on Saturday. So uh, I've got Iowa at seven for now. I've got Rutgers at six. I think Rutgers is one of those teams that that will beat Iowa. Um, Rutgers did what they're supposed to do against Wagner. They worked on the passing game. You know, it's steady. What they're supposed to do, 52 to three. Man, I, I really I would be shocked at this point if Rutgers does not get to at least six wins. I would be shocked. And I I I think seven or eight actually might be on the table. You know, that that would take a win against Iowa. It would take a win against Maryland, um, or even surprising the one of the big three. But this Rutgers squad is it's they're formidable. And again, if they were in the West, I'd I don't know if I'd have them beating Wisconsin. They get Wisconsin. I don't know if they'll beat Wisconsin, but 
I don't know. It's, it's certainly not a gimme for Wisconsin this year against Rutgers. And if you're a Rutgers fan and like you guys should be jumping for joy with how competitive this team is right now. They're, they're great. Like they're really good. Uh, Wisconsin, or I have Wisconsin at five because of the bye week. Um, and part of the reason why I dropped them to five is because Maryland looked really good against Indiana. Um, I have, I have Maryland at four. Um, I think it sets up a really good matchup. Uh, I'm recording this before I see the AP poll, but if Maryland's not in the top 25, shame on the AP poll. They're a top 25 team after what I saw against Indiana. They are really, really, really good. You know, Tonga Vailoa, 352 yards and five touchdowns against, I think, a good defense, right? Uh, they, they're going to throw it all over you. They've got good receivers. You know, Ty Felton had a, a big day uh, against this team. You know, just really, really good good team and they did what they're supposed to do, which was blow out an inferior opponent. So good on, on Maryland for doing what they're supposed to do. And I think, I think that's going to be a, a competitive matchup in Columbus next week. I, I think it's, it's a top 25 matchup. I would not be, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm probably picking Ohio state. I wouldn't be shocked if Maryland beat Ohio state next week and I'll, I'll talk about that more in the, in the breakdown on week on the week six picks, but I, like, I think Maryland fans, I would not be shocked if you got an upset over one of the big three. And I've been saying that since the beginning, even though I picked in the preseason nine and three for Maryland, I think if on the right day, this squad could get one of them. So Maryland at four. I've got Michigan at three. There's a lot of people saying Michigan should be number one in the country right now. And I don't fully disagree with that. I just think it's hard when the best team you've played is, is Nebraska. I think that's, or actually, no, the best team they played is Rutgers. Sorry. Um, sorry to Rutgers fans, but to similarly, the best team they played is Rutgers. And I think the teams ahead of the teams that I have ahead of them have played better competition and at times have looked better. So I think, again, Michigan easily could be the Big Ten champ, easily could finish undefeated. So please don't hear me saying Michigan's not as good. They, they just haven't played anybody. Um, that's, that's in that top 10, top 15 tier yet, or even top 25 tier. You know, Rutgers is the best team they've faced. And that's, that's the best we've seen. So I've got Michigan three for now. Penn State two. Uh, the the further we get, the more that West Virginia win looks pretty pretty good, and they did beat Iowa. Um, now you might be thinking, but you have Rut you have Iowa behind Rutgers, and but I still think Penn State has done a better job. I think they've looked better week to week, um, and I still think they have a lot of room to grow. And I think the fact that they've beaten West Virginia, they went on the road to Illinois. They, they beat Iowa at home and now they, they beat uh, Northwestern. They've beaten four power five teams. Um, so I, I really, really respect what Penn state's done. Um, Drew Aller, the, the main, my main concern with Drew Aller, he's just young. He's inconsistent, but he's got all the tools to be great. 
but I think, you know, you look at the quarterbacks in this league, uh, Tonga Bailoa, McCarthy, Aller, McCord, uh, Tanner Mordecai, Gavin Wimsat, uh, Hudson Cart. You've, there's some good players in this league that I'm, I'm continue, I'm continually getting excited for. So, and the number one who they were on a buy is Ohio state. Uh, nothing was going to change that. I think they have the best win. They have the best win in con or they have the best win out of anyone in their conference at Notre Dame. And I think it's the second best win in all of college football this season. So real quick, I'm going to talk about my national top 10. Um, I'm going to just talk about a couple teams that right now I don't have in there. I don't have Oklahoma. I don't care that they crushed Iowa state. Iowa state stinks. I don't care. You know, I don't care that they've, they scored a hundred on, you know, lesser teams. Like I want to see them play Texas next week. Um, and if they are at least even with Texas or, you know, lose close to Texas, I'll probably bump them to the top 10. But so far I just don't, I don't see the rationale. Like Iowa state scored 20 on them in the first half. I don't, I don't care like that. Iowa state, they, if, if Oklahoma's defense is any good, they should be holding Iowa state to like six. I don't care. And the same goes with USC. USC is not a top 10 team right now. Like their defense stinks. And if you're a Trojan fan and you're listening to this and you're like, you don't know anything guys, Colorado can't run the ball and they ran for 200. USC is not a top 10 team. I don't care how good Caleb Williams is. I don't care how good their offense is right now. Like they, they're going to have serious issues down the road. And you know, obviously they have time to change that, but I, I've watched Alex Grinch defenses since he was at Ohio state and he's never had a good defense. So I've got to see it to believe it, but this defense is trash right now. So they're, they're not top 10. The, the PAC 12 team I do have in my top 10 is Washington state. And I I've Washington later, but Washington state at 10, I don't have Oregon. I think they've, they've been inconsistent. Um, and I thought the matchup between them and I felt thought was a matchup driven win, uh, over, over Colorado for Oregon. I, I just, I think Oregon is also like, I would have them probably at 11th, but I've got Washington state at 10. I think they've, again, they've looked really, really good. Um, I think they've, they've been consistent. They have a win over Wisconsin, which I think Wisconsin is a good team. Uh, they have a win over Oregon state who just showed against Utah that they are a really good team. So I like, really like Washington state. I, I, again, I think they are maybe, maybe should be the favorite in the pac 12. Um, I know that I think Washington has something to say about that, but I think Washington state's much better than people give them credit for Georgia at nine. I'm done giving Georgia the benefit of the doubt. Auburn is not good. Auburn does not have a great quarterback. No offense to Peyton Thorne, but Auburn is not a good football team. And I mean, they, they were tied late in that game. It's the second time they have been 
taken down, not through the wire, but have really struggled against subpar competition. And they haven't looked impressive against uh group of five competition. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt of keeping them in the top 10, but I have them at nine right now. And they, they have a lot of work to do to prove that they should be in the top four. Um, eight, I have Notre Dame. I don't think people will understand how hard it is to go from a top 10 matchup that you were one second away from winning and then to go on the road against an upstart team with a first round caliber quarterback uh, in Riley Leonard and to come back and win that game. Like that's, that's huge. That's a hard thing to do. And Marcus Freeman and Sam Hartman, they were able to go on the road after an emotional loss last week and beat a really good Duke team. Like it was really good. And before people say, well, he's not good. He's not a good coach because of this. He's not a good, he's going to learn like the X's and O's and all that stuff. But for Marcus Freeman to get his team ready for that game and to win in the fourth quarter, that's a big deal. And it's a, it's a good win. It's a really good win. And now he's, now they got to play Louisville and then they play USC. I mean, it's a brutal stretch for them. It's a brutal stretch for them. And I'm I'm interested to see, I think Notre Dame can, can run the table, but it's going to be hard. They got to get their receivers healthy. That was really tough for them last, last night. But that was another thing that, I thought showed Notre Dame's toughness and I think ability. I think if they have great house and, and their, their other receiver, I think it's Merriweather. They have either of those guys in, I think Notre Dame wins by a couple scores and instead they don't have anyone to stretch the field and it makes it a, a little bit more difficult for them. So I like, I, I've got Notre Dame at eight. I've got Alabama at seven. Look out. I've been saying it. Don't, you know, don't, don't neglect Bama. Don't declare the dynasty dead yet. Just don't do it. I've, this is like 2015. They lose to a, they lose early in the season and everybody writes Nick Saban off. Everybody thinks that Alabama's dead and then they come back and win a national championship. I'm just saying this team has enough talent to win a natty. They just got to grow up and I don't know who in the West is going to beat them because LSU looks terrible. Like, sorry, like this, <laughs> this is what Bama does. So I hate to, I hate to tell you that, but just do not be surprised if Bama wins the SEC and wins the Natty. That's not my prediction yet. I'm just throwing it out there. Number six, I've got Washington. I've had Washington number one for a while. They played an okay Arizona state. Arizona team. And I know they were on the road, but only one by seven, it's probably their best win. And if, if that's going to be your best win and that's who you beat by, by seven, I feel like I had to ding Washington considering some of the resumes and dominance with everybody else. So I've got Washington at, at six Florida state at five. The LSU win doesn't look nearly as good. I think Clemson, Clemson might end up actually being the better win. Um, 
they, Clemson looked pretty good against Syracuse last uh, yeah, on Saturday. Sorry, but Florida State has the the right quarterback and they've got offensive playmakers. I just don't. I think they're too inconsistent, and I, I think there's too many holes there for them for it to hold up. So I've got them at five. Michigan at four. Michigan at four, and a lot of that is just Rutgers is the best team they've played, but they've their their margin of victory is impressive. You know, they have not been challenged so far. Three, I've got Penn State. And again, Penn State has looked really good. Their margin of victory has been great. Ohio State at two, the second best win in college football right now. And I think number one, Texas. And again, they have two really good wins. Kansas, although Kansas didn't have Jalen Daniels, but you know, can't that was a good Kansas team. And then the the win at Alabama, it's gonna look better and better as the season goes along. So uh we'll we'll talk picks and your comments on uh, the Thursday pod. I, I apologize for not getting the picks pod out on Thursday this past week. Life is crazy. And this is, this is my, my side gig, my hobby. So sometimes it comes out Thursday. Sometimes it comes out on Friday. I'm going to try to get it out on, on Thursday this week, but so picks will come out on Thursday. And then of course the recap show Monday, Really appreciate you guys. Uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback this past week. And again, I, I'm just so grateful that you guys want to listen and hear from me about college football. It's it's a dream. It's really fun. And uh, I love I love the comments, especially from fans that from all these other fan bases, you Illini fans in particular, you know, you guys, I know I've given you some agita over the past uh, few weeks, but uh I love you guys and I love all y'all um, that you guys would listen and, and, and pay attention. So again, this is the big 10 football talk podcast. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Take care. God bless.